I'm great. I think in order to uh, bring the, bring our name this week to life, Tim, what is your favorite Bible story? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, oh, I don't know. I, I'm not like a big Bible fan. <laughs> Let's see. Um, <laughs> not not, 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 your, not your favorite the, work? Jonah and the Whale? Is that is that in the Bible? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I feel like that. That sounds like a Bible story. I feel like it is. Uh, uh thought uh, not not Noah's Ark or anything. Eh, no, Noah's Ark is a weird one. People like to okay figure out what it what it means and all that stuff. Um, I'm a uh, particularly um fascinated by the story of Job. Okay. Um. And Job is like this dude that had like his had had like his whole life fucked up, and um just like started cursing God, and God's like, well, hey, I put you through these things to see how you'd react, and if you didn't react the way, maybe I maybe I would make your life better, <laughs> but you but but you didn't, so bye. <laughs> like, that's like that's like effectively like the story of Job, like this guy, like God just ruining this guy's life and being like. You know, if you you could have handled this in grace, but you know, yeah, right. chose to be a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a pretty good one. I'll give it to you. That's a that's a good story, um, <laughs> especially because it is uh, God being weirdly like petty, which is fun. He's a fucking asshole, yeah, <laughs> and like, sure. like, like I, I, I don't I think you know that you that I went to I went to a Catholic school like my first two years of high school. Yeah, yeah. And the way they just gloss over the Old Testament. It was always the thing that like I bugged my theology teachers about. I'm like, wait, you can't just ignore that this book exists. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess that's the whole thing. Like Jesus was like, uh, "Fuck all that stuff. We don't care about any of that anymore." <laughs> I guess, but I guess, but it's like, dude, like this this guy was out here fucking like, you know, humans. I'm not really feeling y'all right now. <laughs> yeah, right. It's 
I think I, I think I just want to like start over like like he was treating Earth like a fucking uh, etch a sketch and just like shook it up and just like I'm, I'm gonna just start over now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, hey, you know what? For him, it's that that big of a deal, right? And that's what it is. What it comes down to, it's just like shaking up the etch a sketch every now and then. Um. <laughs> well. I, you I mentioned a little bit about news and stuff going on. I don't have a ton. Um, just the debut of uh, what was it? Malachi Black um, with his gunky purple eye or red eye or whatever. I assume a reference to his eye getting taken out in WWE. It is, exact, it is exact, exactly a reference to that. Yeah, and... Uh, you know he who gives a fuck about his fucking eye. You have to <laughs> remember that this guy is very deep, and there's a lot of symbology to everything he does. So clearly, you know this is this is a reference to something. My guess would be the reference is that uh, Buddy Murphy's going to be the next person he feuds with, who's going to date. This might as this might as well be like fucking fiend lore at this point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's even worse this, though. This might, have, this, this might as well just be fiend lore. It's even worse though because fiend lore at least like makes money, you know. Like fiend, fiend lore has like I risk coming across as the guy that like is into fiend lore by doing this. Okay, but fiend lore at least has like a level of like understanding and continuity to it that you could understand like at least like how they got there. Why the fuck is Alistair Black's eye patched up on his new TV on his new TV right. station? Well, and the, like I said, like the thing too is that Fiend Lore has fans and people that are into it and like buy shirts and talk about it and care. And Alistair Black stuff has none of that. Like no one cares about this stuff. It's been, if anything, it's hurt his reputation that he constantly talks about it online. People are not are liking him less and less the more they hear him talk about all this junk. So it's kind of like, yeah, this is not doing, this is not doing you any favors. Um, so yeah, definitely not a, uh, not a huge fan of fiend lore, I'll say. Um, but Tommy end lore or Malachi black lore, um, is much worse because it's like, it's, it's basically him just like doing like an e-fed character that nobody is. This is, this is, this is like, um, like we, oh, like people like we, like we, like we run in PWO circles and stuff, and like you'll see stuff like self-conscious epic or uh, something being described as masturbatory or whatever. This is maybe the most masturbatory thing I've ever seen in professional wrestling, and this is encompassing a genre of entertainment that has housed people like Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan and. Hiroshi Tanahashi and whoever the fuck that you want to throw into these categories. Sure, yeah. This is maybe the most single, most masturbatory thing. Yeah, I've ever it's seen in professional wrestling. Ridiculous! It is definitely ridiculous. Um, the only other thing that you mentioned also was uh, Andrade debuting debut match in uh, AEW. I haven't seen it, but uh, reports are not so good. So eh, I guess people could check it out. Um. I'll check it out. I'll watch it. I think I just downloaded AEW right now because I uh, don't really have any way to watch it on cable. I don't think. I guess I could pay for it, but I really don't want to. Um, do you not? Do you, oh, oh, yeah. You don't, you don't. You don't have cable, right? No, no. Yeah, I don't have cable or oh, okay. or access to anything like that. It's like I could pay for well, it good, on Fight or something. Maybe well, but well, I don't even know if you can do that in America. 
Well, like, I like, well, like the TNT.com stuff, you can't just watch it through, like, your, through your internet provider. Like, you gotta have a cable subscription. No, yeah. You have to have cable to watch that. Maybe on their website. I don't know. I'll look into it and see. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure if it had to be, like, a cable cable provider if it had, or if it just could be, like, your internet provider. No, it, it doesn't work if it's your internet provider for most of those things. Like, the things where it's, like, sign in with your thing for, yeah. for streaming. Okay. Yeah, if it's just internet, it doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, that's... Whatever. I mean, it, it's like AEW would be the only thing I would care about watching on, you know, whatever, TNT or whatever. So, it's, like, not worth You're it. not, um, looking... You're not gonna, uh, <laughs> watch Dwayne, Dwayne, Dwayne Wade's new, um, new TV show? That does sound intriguing. Isn't he married to, like, uh, what's her name? Gabrielle Union? Mm, Gabriel, Gabriel Union. Yeah. So is it is it like a reality show or that might be interesting? No, he's hosting like a fucking game show. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, he's hosting like he's hosting like a game show. It's like called like Cubed or some shit. Okay. Um. Weird. But yeah. No. And then there's a John, and then there's John Cena as the new host of Wipeout. Oh yes, John Cena. He's a. Uh, had an interesting week as well, huh? Have you followed any of the John Cena stuff going on? No, I have not seen anything involving John Cena. I don't know really what's going on. I just know that he's like a online speaking ch- or Mandarin and uh, becoming a big star. He was in Fast Nine. People are talking about that. He's been, speak- he's been, spe- he's been speaking in Mandarin like for like ten yeah, years yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, he's been practicing and working on it. But now it's paying off. This motherfucker is probably doing, you know, uh, media tours in China speaking Mandarin for Fast Nine and shit. Right, so. Yeah. He's going to be one of the biggest celebrities in the world, and it's really funny to think, because it's, like, just all hard work. Because I'm not going to really, say... Yeah, like, like, I, like, I can't, like, he's one of the people, like, the one of the celebrities that, like, you know, we should not be idolizing celebrities or putting them on any kind of pedestal, or that these people are rich and there are people that are poor, but, like, he's one of the people where it's like, eh, you know what? I'm fine with you. Yeah. <laughs> like... Like you, like you, I've I've seen everything that that like he did to get there. He's a grinder, man. He's worked. I was, I was gonna say, like, yeah. you know, the Rock, the Rock has it. He is charismatic as hell. He was a solidly decent wrestler. You know what I mean? Like natural athlete, all that stuff. It made all of it just made sense for him. Cena, like, it's been an uphill climb the entire. I'm not saying he's not charismatic, but the first time you see Cena. Like, he doesn't jump off the page. He's kind of just a guy, you know? And then, like, yeah. he becomes endearing and he's got a decent personality. He's he's witty, all that. He can make everything work when it comes down to it. He's, like, he's intuitive. He knows how to talk to people. You know, but, like, clunky in ring, not a natural athlete. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's really impressive. Like, the guy has worked super hard and he's going to end up being a gigantic celebrity by just like being smart and working hard and making the right choices. The Mandarin thing, 10 years ago, people were like, why is Cena wasting time learning Mandarin? You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, look at now, China is this huge economy. And it's not as if we didn't realize or people didn't see that coming if you were just a little bit smart, but he was actually. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, 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 but not, not everyone like really like realized the value that was, that was there too. Right. Because it's like. People, it's real, you know, Americans, we really can only see ourselves. We can only really understand ourselves. So, in American culture, the idea that we would be interested in culture from another country seems somewhat ludicrous. You know, so we don't... Well, you're only interested in culture from another country when it comes along with you 
being in control of that country and sure. placing in puppet puppet dictators. Sure, sure. In which in in, in which you will then um assassinate if you're if they're oh my not God. Uh, exactly how you want them to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a yeah, that's a whole nother. Jesus, that assassination is fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, so I think Americans are like, well, why would Cena care to speak Mandarin? Because Chinese people aren't going to care about him or like him. You know what I mean? Because we don't think about the fact that in other countries they don't act that way. And an American who comes over there and speaks English can actually become a major celebrity to them. Unlike here, where like a Chinese person who comes to America, even if they speak English, like we won't think of them as a big time celebrity because we're, you know, really Americans really only care about ourselves. And that's the, not and, to and, say and, that... or or they have to be like fucking like incredible at this thing they do, like right. fucking Shohei Otani, like him being like a great pitcher and a great hitter who was hitting all these home runs at the same time. And no one's done that in like a hundred years. Like that's the only time that like right. someone like that, that, that someone like that becomes like this, like big celebrity. Even then, like he's only a celebrity and like, he's in, in the confines of fucking baseball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we were going to talk about King of DDT and Action Wrestling's most recent uh, release. So, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's do some King of DDT stuff first, and then we can. Um, All right. Because we can pretty much like review Action. I had a really a bit of a uh, a bit of a like a strike of inspiration finishing up King of DDT finals. Uh, I think last night or the night before. Um, just like how fucking well this was booked. Um, mm-hmm. was really, really impressive to me. Um, especially coming down to the, the, uh, quarterfinals and finals. Um, the quarterfinals, the semis, you know, and the, and the finals, it was like impressively well done. But, uh, what did you think of everything? Yeah, this was, um, really good. Um, as much as DDT, I might, have, I might not have been super on board with a lot of the stuff that they did um, the last couple the last uh, couple of years, like, you know, seeing, like, Masato Tanaka become champion, or even dating back to Hiroshima's last one of the belt, and stuff like that, and feeling like DDT's booking was going in uh, directions that I feel like weren't necessarily helping the company. The way that, like, they tied in how they've booked Yuji Hino for the last, for the last few months, and it culminating in this big King of DDT run as this mo- as this monster for Konosuke Takashita to overcome in the final was some of the best booking they've done in a long time, honestly. Yeah. Um, and Yuji Hino's a guy that if you ke- if you kept if you keep up with like the Jap with the Japanese indies and stuff, and he was in DDT before. Um, I think he might have been DDT champ before, or he might, or at least wrestled Masa Takanashi, who was DDT champ at that time. And there's like they have like a pretty like memorable match from like that 2010 2011 uh period yuji hino's been uh you know wrestle been wrestle one uh zero one uh we've seen them we've seen him in big japan uh he's been he's been like a guy that's sort of in that daisuke sekimoto yuji okabayashi shuji shikawa kohei sato uh if you want to throw in like uh ryoto hama those kind of guys that like the like the strong division guys is what Yuji Hino kind of gets like placed in for the most part. And he's really talented, honestly. One of the more talented guys that that belonging that uh, class. He's extremely charismatic, has always been really charismatic, very explosive and athletic. And someone that, 
you look at him and you're surprised that he hasn't gotten to do more during his career. And whether that's because of him just being like a freelance guy and going and just doing whatever he wants to do or whatever the reasons may be. He's a super talented guy. But as he comes into the DDT roster and he's uh, put in damnation, you're like, oh, cool, Yuji Hino is there. You don't really piece together until this King of DDT tournament. Like, oh, shit, they've been, like, protecting and booking Yuji Hino really strong this entire time. And it leads to this where he has this, like, really awesome and fun run uh, in, in, this, in this tournament. From Sakaguchi to Hiroshima to Higuchi to eventually the final against Takashita. He has an awesome run. He beat both fucking members of Eruption. Like, he, he faces Hiroshima in a, like a, in a 25-minute match, and that match is fantastic. It's one of my favorite DDT matches of the year. This guy in a, just looked, uh, really, looked really great in this, and he's a guy that goes beyond like the big beefy chop fest and stuff. He can sell extremely well, and that was a... Uh, that was my that was my main takeaway going along with your booking point is that the way they used Yuji Hino for the last few months and the way it culminated in this tournament, I thought was some of the best stuff DDT's done in a long time. Yeah, I mean this was yeah like I said the booking wise here, just setting up everything even just for the basic like match to match psychology I thought like I said especially into the second round the first round. There was some interesting, neat stuff that I thought happened as well. Um, particularly like um, Higuchi and uh, Yoshimura, I thought was a really, really interesting match for setting up the way that Higuchi was used throughout the rest of the tournament. Um, because he struggled against Yoshimura here, and I was really impressed with him wrestling small and making Yoshimura look like a big time bruiser like it was really it was something else i was like oh damn like he really he really wrestled super small and you i usually think of higuchi as one of the bigger guys in ddt but he really here gave kind of the rub to yoshimura as like being on that level of being a big you know a big bruiser in ddt which again was i thought it played into one interesting uh, one interesting little note was like okay then in the next round Yoshimura is uh, uh, seconding and sitting ringside watching uh, Yuji Hino just clatter the fuck out of Hiroshima. And it's mm-hmm. like, in my head, I'm like, I know he's, you know, he's there as Disaster Box supporting Hiroshima, but in my mind, I'm like, he should be young boy to Hino. He should be trying to learn and watch Hino, but I'm like, it's so good to see him there watching it, because I'm like, this is, after seeing what he did in the match with Higuchi, I'm like, he should be watching Hino and being like, okay, that's what I need to do. Cause this guy's beating the shit out of the leader of my group. I need to figure out how to be like him, you know, <laughs> in, in the, in the, in the in-between show, but between the second round show, when the fight and the final show, they're on, they're on opposite sides in a tag. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really, it was perfect there that I was just like, yeah, this is like, I, I, I want to see, uh, I want to see more interactions with those two. And I almost want to see like, yeah, like <laughs> Yoshimura being, he knows young boy would be interesting. Um, but also it sets up, Higuchi kind of playing the again playing the smaller big man when he gets beat by Hino in the semifinals. So it was like you really his sell, showed like, like his sell, his selling is so great, yeah, so fucking great. But it was like goddamn, like the story that you told with Higuchi throughout the tournament was you show in the first round he has trouble with big with a big man, 
but he's able to take him down even though you know it's a big guy and then but when he gets to the semifinals he knows the ultimate big guy in the company and that's the way he's been presented throughout the entire tournament basically up until that point so of course higuchi has no chance because he's already shown that he's weak against you know big also like equally big guys so he's facing the biggest baddest guy in the company so it was like perfect like i said like the way that that was set up was so fucking perfect to tell that story throughout the tournament so i was just like you know that's that was great that you built that up all the way into the finals to make hino even that much more impressive by the end and another thing that i saw throughout the tournament was that i thought was interesting was like building into the final was takashita and the way that he was in the tournament he was doing giant spots he was doing spots that are like historically for giants like it, particularly i think it was in the match with mao but it might have been against akito um he did the like where the guy goes for a body slam and they just collapse and the guy falls on top of you like in a cross body and i noticed that yeah. and was like that's not a spot that that's like a spot that giants do that's not a spot that like regular guys do you know so it was interesting and I mean, he has become so large. So I was looking, for, I was like, I swear to God, Takashita was like tiny. And I was looking at old pictures and he has gotten so fucking big compared to Dude, when he, he started like, wrestling. Like he, he, he gets bigger like every year, I think. It's insane that this guy is still growing at this point, it seems. Like he's gotten taller, he's getting thicker, like he's so fucking huge to where like I was like, I didn't realize that he's a giant now. But I did, like, kind of pick up on it here, and I was like, oh, shit. So, again, like, playing into the finals, he's been, he's, like, you know, the golden ace kind of guy, but he's, like, this giant also, like, huge. So then in the second round, you've got Hino versus Hiroshima, which is Hino going up against the golden ace guy, similar to Takashita, but the difference being that Hino overpowers him. And by the end of it, because they're having this pissing contest... That's all about who can take more punishment and who can dish out more punishment. And Hiroshima's stupid to stand toe-to-toe with him. Hino overcomes him because, again, as I said, he's presented as the biggest, baddest ass in the company. So Hiroshima, even though he's golden ace, he can't stand up to him. So then in the finals, you get you have the golden ace Takashita, but he's also a giant. So he's able to stand toe-to-toe with Hino. And he isn't, mm-hmm. you know, beaten because he gets overpowered by him. So another, like god damn like they set up the story in this like so easy just to see the stories and the progressions match by match between the characters leading into the final to where it was just like this is fucking fantastic like you don't people don't think of ddt as being this good at booking but every match told a story that led to more matches and this is the shit is why like you know new japan cup is so fucking boring and pointless every year because it's just matches they just have matches and that's it but this is like you're telling episodic stories throughout the tournament with every match has a story that leads to the next match. It was fucking phenomenally done. Like this was so good to just see like the progression and even Sasaki, like Sasaki played spoiler cheating, getting shortcuts repeatedly. So as you go through, you're just like, okay, when he beats Junakiyama in four minutes, like fucking cheating again, low blow, um, you think like, okay, he can do that to, to Takashita again because he has shown that he can do that he's a fucking dick he beat two guys who clearly are protected he beat the two champions the two singles champions in the company he beat with fucking bullshit so then now he's going up against Takashita you think he could do the same there like again the storyline is just phenomenal um 
a note that doesn't really connect to anything um, with all that kind of stuff was Mao. I thought Mao looked better here than he has looked recently, um, especially in the match with Takashita. I, th- I, th- I think I think I think Mao I think Mao's been good this year. Yeah, I think when he first returned, I wasn't you know into him, but I think he's uh, he's definitely getting back in the swing of things and he's looking a lot better. The one thing that came to mind, in, especially in the Takashita match, is that. I just I feel like Mao is talented, but he kind of he weirdly reminds me of like early Colt Cabana when he started getting obsessed with the British wrestling, um, which is weird because I don't necessarily think it's like too much the same. It's just the mentality, which is that he is wanting to kind of play this character and he's doing all this goofy stuff um, and it just feels forced and doesn't really like help the matches or help his wrestling in any way. Um, and it just feels kind of tacked on and it kind of felt like, uh, like when Cabana was really first kind of starting to do like more of that stuff, especially more of like the British style wrestling and trying to do zany antics. It was like, he didn't really quite figure out how to do it right. And Mal kind of feels the same way to me. It's like, he's trying to, he's trying to do all these little cutesy spots and stuff, but he's much better off just like wrestling. And like when he does some high flying action and stuff here, he hits the, um, the ultimate weapon or the omega weapon whatever uh speedball called it like i'm like oh yeah this guy <laughs> it could be a good wrestler he just needs to like focus on stuff so but like i said otherwise I, I thought that he's looked better than he has to me recently but um but other than that i mean yeah i think uh well, he needs to just like kind of figure some stuff out here but uh well yeah that's that was kind of my thoughts on the overall tournament and matches that kind of stood out to me did you have anything else you wanted to uh to talk about uh, did, did you well, one um want to know if you had a favorite match of the tournament and two how do you feel now with Takashita winning King of D- King of DDT um and I'm, I'm presuming this leads into um into Akiyama versus Takashita Peter Pan and this will be the third Takashita versus Akiyama Akiyama matchup matchup I'm pretty sure um based off how Takashita looked and was booked. In this, uh, in this turn, in this tournament, and how they've booked Akiyama throughout uh, throughout the year and this entire DDT run, um, obviously we're expecting Takashita to win and get the belt back. Yeah. But how excited for you? How excited are you for that match? And how were you expecting the layout to look? So I think that for me, matches that stood out for the for the tournament as like my favorite were, I mean, the Takashita and Mao match I did really enjoy. So I might even go with that but i think honestly and it's weird because it's not a match that's stereotypically the layout and everything about it was not like something that i normally would really like um but hino versus harashima i really enjoyed even though they did a lot of like kind of stupid pissing contest spots i thought that because especially because the story of it led to like logical psychology further down the line in the tournament but also they just pulled it off like it worked for me i thought that Hino selling his leg he did it really well and and harashima being stupid and like kind of falling on his sword being willing to rather than just continue to exploit the injured leg he wanted to like stand toe to toe and and shot for shot with Hino being his downfall i thought was a was a really interesting story to tell with a super lovable baby face against a, a you know for all intents and purposes, a big heel to tell a story like that was pretty interesting. So um, that match really stood out for me. And uh, Haguchi and Yoshimura would be another one on my like short list of matches that I really liked. I like really liked that match. I would highly recommend people check that one out too. Um, that said, I mean Takashita, 
I talked about it, but like the presentation now seems to be that he's just like unbeatable. He comes across. He, he, he feels like the force of nature now. Yeah. And they haven't really been presenting him like that in a while. And we talked about that he was kind of boring um, or seeming like he was just like kind of just treading water. It is interesting. The AEW stuff seemed to come and pass and not really beat anything, um, which I would, you know, I would have expected that they would have wanted to do more with him. So I don't really know what happened with that. Um, but that said, it seems that he's come back and he kind of had the, the, the tag stuff that he was doing. Um, and now I'm almost thinking like this is him kind of, like I said, doing the giant spots and, and wrestling a lot bigger um, makes me think that he's kind of maybe slowing down his in-ring style a little bit um, just to, to work on longevity possibly. So, you know, he can wrestle longer. Um, you know, he's getting to that point in his career. He doesn't seem to be broken down, and you don't hear reports about. He's know, still he's he's still only twenty. He's still only twenty six. Right. that's the thing. Right, but I was thinking about like you know Okada. Like Okada's uh, a couple years older than him, like eight years or something. Um, so it's like, or maybe it's not even quite that. But either way, like you know, and they, and they he even like their timelines are kind of matched basically. Like around the same age that Okada first won the IWGP title was when. Uh, Takashita first won the Open Gate Championship or Open Weight Championship, so and uh, you know, they're around the same, or like I said, the, the the amount of time in between their ages and everything. So just thinking about that a little bit, like oh, you know, maybe he's trying to look for a way to change his style a little bit so that he can have even more longevity, which seems crazy because he's still so young. Um, but just with his size and the way he's wrestling, so. I expect him to win, obviously, and I think that yeah, with like a totally kind of new style of champion than he's ever been before will be pretty interesting to see what they do with him um if they go for another long title reign um or not but uh layout of the match i mean i don't know i think i almost want to say that i think it'll be something quick but i can't imagine that they actually would do that but I mean, other than that, I don't know what you do. Like just having another super long match. Um, but yeah, what do you, uh, what do you, what were your thoughts on that? On that, Quentin? I was just thinking that we've seen June like be, be able to like um, out strategize like other other opponents, and I'm like and I'm, and I'm looking at this and thinking maybe June tries strategy, and by this point, Takashita is just such a fucking tank. That there's no real strategy that June could employ, could could um employ at this at this stage in his career that could make up for the for the strength and size and speed and athleticism advantage that Takashita is gonna have. So I'm definitely looking at it. Uh, and thinking this most this most Akiyama matches, but I'm looking at it from the standpoint of is there any strategy that Akiyama could use that would stop Takashita? And I'm curious to see how they like uh, use that use that in that match. Yeah, but that definitely I think is very similar to how I'm feeling about it. I mean, from what you're saying, though, sounds like that would be a longer kind of match. Um, just kind of basically Takashita just having an answer or outpowering everything that June has. Um, I could see something similar. I but like I said, I could also see like steamrolling, like the opening of the match with Hino the final was pretty interesting for that because Takashita comes out super hot and has Hino running 
you know, running scared within like a minute or two of the opening bell, right? So just like the way he's like a steamroller, I could almost see something similar for the June match and having it off and running and almost over relatively quickly. Um, so we'll see. But uh, at the same time, it's a main event and it's going to be a decent sized show. So you probably want it to go relatively long. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Maybe do, do some kind of injury thing, work a body part. I don't know. It just that doesn't feel right with the way Takashita was presented in this tournament. Honestly, um, it feels like June should like work on him, and, J- and Takashita just, shrug- just shrugs it off. Like, I, like yeah. it really feels like, like if this was a situation where Takashita like Akiyama worked on his leg for like six minutes, and Takashita just didn't sell it, I wouldn't be mad at it because that's almost how Takashita got presented. Yeah. No. Yeah. That that's honestly, no, that's pretty correct about how how I feel coming out of it. Um. We'll see. Is Peter Peter Pan is not going to have crowd a crowd probably, or is it? Oh no! Yeah, Japan Japan's in a weird in a weird yeah. sp- in a weird space right they now. They just so. announced no fans for the Olympics, which is crazy. Yeah, because they're like pushing to still do it, even though there's like protests and all this stuff going on, um, because they need to recoup money that's invested, and they can't. They basically, you know, because the IOC or whatever makes it they, the rules, so they can't just call it off on their own, the Japanese government. But, like, to to still just do it, but with no fans in attendance doesn't seem like, how do you, how are you making your money back? You know? But, I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not. You're, <laughs> you're not. not, right? So now you're just doing it. Hopefully, honestly, I'm really hoping that all this stuff leads to the, the LA Olympics getting canceled. Honest, if I'm perfectly honest, because more and more people. Oh yeah, you guys, you guys, you guys are gonna get fucking destroyed. Oh, I know. Like, we still have issues from the first Olympics that were here years ago. So yeah, it's a fucking nightmare. I'm just, but with so much public sentiment of people being against it, I'm just hoping maybe, maybe, just maybe, it'll get called off. We'll see. But uh, yeah, especially like already like at like LA's uh. Homeless population, like oh yeah, I can't. I they're gonna like they're gonna be fucking monsters, like oh, yeah. when the Olympics come. No, it's already fucking brutal. I can't imagine what they're gonna do. It's gonna be disgusting. Um, but yeah, so I don't know if Peter Pan's gonna have fans or not, or what's gonna happen with that. So I don't know. We'll see. Any uh any other thoughts on DDT? Uh no, but like speaking of fans, um you know we talked about AEW a little bit and. This is their first show on the road. Uh, the show that we're talking about where Tommy N debuts and yeah. Andrade's Andrade's first in ring appearance in uh, in AEW. Um, there was a segment where Hangman um, went and uh, talked to the Dark Order, and I guess that at some point during the show they went out there and like accept, like accepted a title match for him or whatever. Uh, you know, Hangman's the number one contender. We talked about it before with how they did like the fake out booking with the Brian Cage mini mini program. Yeah, yeah, and. And so we're finally getting to Kenny versus Hangman, and but looking at that segment and looking at the at what's going on, and we talked about the Hangman before about if the window was closed or if they missed it and how hot Hangman was last year and all that kind of stuff. That uh, reassured me of all, of the faith of the of the faith the faith that I've had in Hangman and how his cow over his character is and how much it speaks to people that, yeah. They did that segment. They teased Hangman versus Kenny, and people are fucking into it. And I think that that match, whenever they whenever they do it, and as they get more into building that match, that Hangman should probably win. Honestly, <laughs> Hangman yeah. probably should win. 
I'm with you that I think that Hangman should win, but it just... I think that he should win the, t- the title the first time he wrestles Kenny at this point, but I just don't think he he should wrestle him right now. There's still... I feel like there's still a lot to do with the Kenny storyline, but it also feels like maybe it's time, and they are going to be hitting the road again, so maybe it's time and it will be good to have a young babyface champion that all of the, you know, traveling crowds will be excited to come see wrestle. You know? So it maybe isn't the worst decision to put the belt on Hangman right now, especially because Kenny Omega matches, while people enjoy them, I think with the character that he's playing and everything that's going on, I don't know how much... You're you're, you're not getting that every night on the house show from 36-year-old Kenny. Right, and the crowds aren't going to be as in... Yeah, I mean... You're not going to get that kind of match. You're going to get this heel, the heel performance thing that he's doing. So it's like, how much are the crowds going to really enjoy the you know the big, big show? And you show up, and then this cheating heel wins with like a bunch of interference and all this bullshit. Um, I also saw that they announced uh, Moxley versus Carl Anderson for the IWGP US Championship, which I think is interesting and weird. Just seems like such I like I, I, I like I like that. Like, well, I'm I'm a big Carl fan, so yeah, yeah. like. I like it because we haven't really gotten to see like his singles career has been non-existent like the last like four years. I know. So like, so like I'm excited to see Carl in a prominent singles match. Granted, Carl has become a guy where I think he's perfectly okay with not having great matches. But I wonder if like he's in there. He's in there with Moxley. He's getting he's getting this chance. If we see like Carl turn it up a bit, I, I'm 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 excited for that. Yeah. No. I'm I'm. My interesting or weird booking side of it is more the politics of what the fuck is going on there. Because it seems out of, kind of out of nowhere, and it's just a little odd. So I'm just like, is this... Because New Japan, obviously, you know, the whole thing is that you know Carl and Gallows are supposedly New Japan bound as soon as they can go there, you know, travel freely and all this. So would they, would they be wanting Mox to drop the title to... Anderson to so Anderson brings it back to Japan you know what I mean like with that Carl Carl also has like those like has those LA dojo roots I think yeah no he he's an LA dojo guy so it just it seems odd but I'm also like well would they do that was that so that's why it's interesting it'll be a fun match but it's just it's weird it's weird to think about Mox, have, Mox has to drop the belt at some point like, for so thing. fucking long clearly they I mean New Japan still wants to use him but I don't you know obviously it's tough with yeah but like he's, yeah but like I I think when they got him I think they foresaw more than him showing up on LA Dojo spot shows right like on pre for pre for pre for pre-recordings like right. and Moxley is it's, he's weirdly cooled off right now so maybe taking the belt off of him right now is not a bad idea to then like wait and maybe after he returns from you know paternity leave he'll be you know ready to go and you can bring him back and do something with him um or new japan you know what i mean can bring him back and do something with him then um he doesn't really need a title moxley doesn't really need the u.s title you know so yeah just an interesting thing because i'm like okay i could actually see them doing this and have this be moxley dropping the title to carl anderson which sounds weird but there's, I mean, there's worse guys, like you said. We both are. I, I was a fan of him in the singles. This tag stuff has been just fucking dog shit for a long time. But I mean, that's a lot of that's gallows, you know. And also, that's both of them just not giving a fuck. They'd rather fuck around. And hey, you know what? More power to them because they're getting paid. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like, like, WWE run out of this bullshit. Exactly. Like, Carl Anderson had maybe wrestled, like, I don't know, like, 12 singles matches <laughs> in, in in the last in the last five in the last four years maybe like right. I, I, I I think he's perfectly fine and I think that you know, I, I feel like Carl does like should, should show up here but if he doesn't like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be the most shocked at that right. at that either yeah no. um but you but you but you still you don't think that hangman should win, should win here I do I do think that hangman should win here I just so it's still I don't, I'm just not ready for Kenny's title reign to end. But at the same time, I've been saying that the whole fucking time, and expecting for us to start, you know, getting something different from the reign and like, oh, there's so much left to do, and it's just not happening. So maybe it's for the best to just do it. I'm not gonna say that this title reign was like a failure, but it's just it, you know, it was a it was a bad situation, obviously, and it was something different. And that's just like an interlude, and then maybe eventually we get a, a babyface Kenny Omega title run um, down the line, you know? And so, yeah, I would say, yeah, it's the right thing to do, especially talking about, like, them actually touring and wanting a babyface champion that, you know, could send the crowds home happy with a big win at the end of the shows, I think would be probably for the best. So, yeah, I think he should. I don't, I, don't have, I don't have anything else AW related unless you did. No, no, nothing else. So we got uh, action wrestling, game over. Um, open up with uh, No Moss versus the Bitcoin Boys. I have not been following action as much as I used to. Uh, you know, with everything, it's just been tough to keep up with everything. So I had not seen No Moss before. But I heard on the commentary here that they uh, have wrestled in action a few times. Um, had you seen them before? I have not. This is my, this is my first time seeing them. Okay. Uh, what did you think? I li- I like them. Um, I thought I thought I thought I thought I thought they looked good. I thought that they had some inter- they had some uh, some cool chemistry that they could build on. But the Bitcoin Boys are definitely like the much better team here. I like them since I first since I first saw them. I think that they're a team that has potential and uh and keep and keep and keeps getting better this is a fun, this is a fun opening tag uh i think that the no the uh i'm trying to figure out who was which you know which one was the mass one for nomas uh, yeah that was um king uh, garuda garuda yeah 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 i felt like it felt like uh if anything it didn't look like a team as much which uh, like, but want to be one of the things I want them to improve on, but no, this this was fun, and I feel like the Bitcoin Boys are in a space where I feel like they should be getting uh more opportunities, and uh they should feel like a major tag team. Like if like uh like 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 if they were getting like black label pro ch- uh, like yeah. shots, I feel like they could like they could be like a team that like would, would be getting over over there, right? Or like um having um. Some like limitless, yeah, matches and limitless and stuff. I think. Yeah, they could definitely, they definitely could and should be grinding it out in more places. But you know, once, I guess once more places are starting to open up, and they're, I think they're AIW guys, um, and they're obviously, I think, trained by Dom, right? So they mm-hmm. will, because you know the AIW crew, especially since Dom took over, but even before, but especially since Dom has taken over as the trainer, has like been synonymous with like 
students who are you know grinding and taking long trips and wrestling all over the place and you know what i mean getting getting loading up car loads of people and going to shows all over so i think that they will get around once there's matches to be had but yeah they there's definitely something there and uh i think that with the state of indie american indie wrestling tag teams especially there's no reason why they couldn't be a top level top level act um follow that up we got robert marner versus brogan finley um there just keeps being more and more finleys in in the wrestling i guess this family is uh is doomed to uh every member be involved in wrestling here um i don't think he's i don't think he's like related to no, them he at is. all yes he is yes. he is the younger brother of david finley the fourth the third um he's serious yeah. no yeah he is he is an actual finley they talked about it on commentary as well, but yeah, he's a real Finley. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, I guess it's just, I guess it's just shocking. He's good. No, he's good. It's interesting seeing, cause he wrestles bigger, bigger. Obviously he is bigger. Um, wrestles, you know, obviously I just kind of, kind of got used to David being smaller, you know, and obviously he's probably not even, that yeah. small, but, uh, but Brogan is a big, big beefy guy, especially on the U S Indies. So, so he wrestles big, um, you know, fit used to wrestle. He's not a big guy, but he's definitely very thick, and he would wrestle a physical style. So seeing a little bit of that kind of style, that kind of stuff, he was natural. You know, I've seen wrestlers who uh, are not so natural. We can even talk about maybe a third generation wrestler that was on one of the DDT shows that we uh, just reviewed, but not in the tournament in Chikara, who's not as natural as this guy. So uh, you know, fourth generation wrestler here um robert martyr i mean fuck like i guess i could see people who are not super into robert martyr but to me if you're like one of these people who who really likes wrestlers who put a lot of thought into their work if you think about someone like you know former guest of the podcast dan makabe who we all really praise for how much thought and effort you can tell is going into putting together matches i mean martyr feels like he's doing the same thing like the Mm -hmm. the 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 logic the unique stuff that he's bringing the storytelling that he's trying to do like how hard he's seemingly training and working you know he's 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 a huge he's a huge nerd for this stuff he's a very huge nerd when for uh for this stuff and he seems he's someone that like wants to be really good at this like he's still you know he's like he's like 21 22 years old like yeah he's gonna be very very good at this as long as he gets the time to develop time to develop and everything but yeah, he he absolutely will be, uh, one of the better guys in the scene. I think in a few years, this is, this might have been my favorite match on the show. Yeah, honestly, um, it is super hard hit, hard hitting and aggressive and just like mean, nasty spots throughout this. Um, obviously, you're gonna get that from someone uh, named Finley, but like Robert Martyr, who um, blends a lot of that stuff into his work into into his work too. So. I, I really enjoyed this, and honestly, yeah, my favorite match on the show. Yeah, and Martyr, like, again, he, I've seen him do different stuff with his kind of, you know, mat wrestling stuff, and you talked about this being hard-hitting, and, and you know, it's a Finley, it's a Finley match, so it's going to be rough, but Martyr, kind of, even his leg work, I thought he did blunt force, you know, striking physical attack style limb work here, so he wasn't doing technical, you know, limb holds and, and that kind of thing, he was doing, like, you know, big daddy splash on the leg, you know, double knee drop to the knee, stuff like that, where he was, he was more, he was being a lot more physical and violent with his leg work here to match 
the physicality of Brogan. So yeah, I thought that, that was really smart to because I've seen you know he can do both. He can do technical stuff, and uh, I've compared him. I have said that he kind of reminds me of like a, a young uh, Drew Gulak when Drew Gulak was really switching more to the um, primarily the technical wrestling stuff. You can kind of see a little bit of that in Martyr here, where it's it's still gritty. It can still be violent, um, but it also is limb focused and technical and you know so really good stuff there um follow this up again Haasman versus Eisen I don't have much to say about this it was quick um they clearly were trying to tell a story with Haasman here um the commentary commentary was really putting it over they want to build him up um obviously for something but this was fine um it's probably one of the better Eisen in action matches but it was just it was a quick sprint with just kind of realistically being a big focus on this Hossman guy who um I don't know if I would be pushing him as hard as they are instantly here but I can definitely see trying to get him over just because okay, I have someone over. I guess he's charis- I guess I guess he's charismatic but yeah yeah like I don't know yeah I just I didn't get much out of this um yeah I don't know if you have anything else to say well no uh you know, like the first time it felt like Brent Eisen from Sup in action. Um, I talked about before, like one of the uh, issues I have with Brent Eisen is I feel like that energy and that a level of performance doesn't always carry over to different companies. I feel like it's been like like that with Eisen in New South. Like I feel like when Eisen goes to New New South, and we're still not getting that same level of uh, energy from him. It was it's definitely been something that's lacked in his action performances and this is the first time it felt like Ison from Sup in a different in, in a different in a different promotion and he w- he was really he was really good in this if this persists like there's other matches I'd like to see like if, if we're gonna get this from him then I'd love to see him versus one of those guys in the previous match like Brogan Finley or Robert Martyr um so if that's if that's gonna continue then I, then I definitely want to see more more Brett and Sup I mean I mean in action but yeah, this is the first time he's felt like that same guy from base from Basement East. Yeah, and speaking of you know, if he's gonna be like this in uh, in action, and someone would like to see him wrestle, we get the next match with the uh, Graham Bell versus Alex Kane. And honestly, I've never been too interested in Graham Bell, um, but this match was pretty solid. Um, and you know, maybe that's a feather in the cap for someone like Alex Kane, who I've already been high on, but. You know, particularly seeing him against more established wrestlers than himself, people who've been wrestling longer, you could say, oh, you know, what's he going to do against someone who's, you know, not as good? Um, and I thought that executed really well here and, again, made me see and get more out of Bell than I have in the past. The The detail of the stuff that they're doing were, you know, not Bell, not I'm not going to get suplex, I thought added some intrigue to the match, which I thought was pretty smart. Um to just give you something to the opening segment that it was it kind of made it so that bell could get a little bit more of a rub i guess it's kind of like um like when you know do the do the two count match i think famously pretty recently like uh, jack evans did one i can't remember if it was chris hero or drew gallows in pwg um drew gallows drew galloway right yeah um yeah drew galloway Galloway, where it was like the uh you know you're not even going to be able to get a two count on me. So then that gives it even like more of a rub because he keeps kicking out and one count or whatever, even though he's going to lose the match. Same thing with bell. It's like bell's fighting really hard here to not get suplexed. And it's like, okay, that, that could be like his win <laughs> is that he doesn't get suplexed because he's not, uh, he's definitely not going to win the match. Right. So 
was kind of intriguing to see like oh okay you know so it's it feels like he's fighting for something because like to me you don't expect him to win at all um so at least it gives you something realistic that maybe he could pull off going the whole match without getting suplex he doesn't and he gets thrown around and uh alex kane looks like a beast and i you know i love seeing this guy chuck people um did this is i guess a good a place as any to mention it uh talked about i don't know if we talked about lawler versus dickinson from new japan strong really really good match um lawler versus i didn't see i didn't see i didn't see that yeah i would recommend checking it out it's phenomenal like one of the best dickinson kind of doing a mma inspired wrestling match thing that i've seen even like with the stuff that he's done in uh in blood sport but uh alex kane versus tom lawler similar a really interesting that it was like a very similar story but told completely differently and it fucking ruled and it was in uh ppw i would definitely recommend people check that out i think it was the season finale of like season two of no hook from ppw okay but uh, i would definitely say check that one out because it kicked ass alex kane he's just continues to impress as far as i'm concerned um and yeah like bell not someone i've ever been interested in but i was interested in him in this match so again that's just another like hey and if like i said if eisen is turning up in in action graham bell versus eisen could be interesting if we get this kind of graham bell uh what did you think of the match yeah great um alex kane continues to look like a look like a future star um again Graham Bell's fun. I've never been super into him in a, on, on a high level, thinking that he should be main eventing shows or being someone that you build shows around. But he's been a, he's been a fun guy whenever whenever I see him. But this is one this is one of the better singles performances I've seen I've seen from him. But again, we're going get, he's going up against Alex Kane, who's one of the best prospects in wrestling right now. So. I, I, w- I would like to think that he that he'd bring his A game and Alex Kane, even at his even at his level, is able to get is able to get something out of him and echoing your sentiment there, I think there's probably more of a feather in the cap performance for Alex Kane than anything. Yeah, I mean, really getting to show. I'd like to see more. I'd like to see more of Kane wrestling people who are not super established super worker types just to see what he can do, um, because this is pretty impressive. So. We'll move forward. Although I, you know, again, like the Lawler match, I also want to see him wrestle guys that I really like that are really good. So well, I don't know, just everything. I just want to see more Alex Kane. I really like the guy. Um, Oren Bishop versus Arthur McArthur. Quentin, what did you think of this one? Um, Arthur McArthur was a interesting looking guy and like seemed like fun and funny. Had some charisma to him. But other than that, nothing really stuck with me here. Yeah, I thought that he was fine here for the role that he was trying to play. Um, you know, trying to show off that he could stand toe to toe with the bigger, stronger wrestler and, you know, hit a couple of unique spots. Quick match, though, you know, just kind of did it. But it's interesting, especially compare this to the next match, because this match was about, you know, six and a half minutes. The next match is almost seven, but not quite. Um, and just the difference in the amount of actually stuff going on, feeling like you're telling me a story, stuff that's interesting, you know. It's like not that much longer, but feels like so much more happened here. Bishop and MacArthur, like, was just kind of whatever, and it was a match. Things there was there was a match there. I know they teased some like, basically just MacArthur trying to act like he was stronger than Oren Bishop, who's much bigger and stronger, obviously, but like not much else there. Then we go into this, and you got Cabana Man Dan, Outcat or what is it, Castaway Cabana Man Dan. Gotta gotta mention that. Uh, going up against Jaden Noman. And uh, yeah, similar amount of time, but just so much more 
going on. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously with the you know the mic and doing commentary for the match, but just the storytelling and and the bait, the selling from Dan, and then the fiery comebacks and the arm drags and just so much action. I mean, wild around the ring brawling, obviously. So there's some like kind of bells and whistles, but just again, it's just the difference between you know the quality of the workers and everything going on, the storyline and everything. This is just like. You couldn't tell me this was only seven minutes. It felt like so much happened and there was so much action. Jaden doing the, you know, I'm going to hold the mic and talk the whole way through was kind of interesting because he's not, I don't know, Jaden is not a guy who I've seen his personality come all the way out yet. Um, this, he, he, he's not like a, he's not like a, he's not like a known talker. Yeah. Like it's not like when, M, it's, not, it's not like when MJF was coming up, like even back in 2017 or whatever, Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, MJF. Like, make sure you watch. Like, make sure you watch like his promos or whatever. Like, that's not Jane Newman." No, up until this point, we haven't seen that. But he's been on this heel run, and it seems like they're trying to give him the chance to do some some stuff like you know different things. And this was decent. And you know, he's he's hateable. Obviously, the crowd really dislikes him. And I think it's honestly pretty smart here because the the babyface Jaden Newman was like getting kind of old. And from the beginning, I always was more behind him as a heel. So. Um, yeah, much better heel here as a heel, especially going up against, you know, one of the best baby faces in all of wrestling at this point right now with Cabana Man Dan. I mean, the guy is just phenomenal as a baby face. So, but, uh, yeah, what did you think of this, uh, this one? Like you said, um, it's all about the use of, use of the time and with lesser wrestlers, six minutes can feel like a drag. And here we are with two, uh, with two good ones and one great one in Cabana Man Dan that, seven minutes doesn't feel like enough or that you're surprised that something only wants seven minutes because they used that time so well. And in that time, it's already telling you so much about these people. You're seeing Cabana Man Dan on the defensive and selling and Jaden Newman, this guy that if you're familiar with action and stuff, you're like, okay, like who are you to talk this way? Who are you to talk shit like this and be so arrogant and cocky? And you're like, it like reels you into these characters and you're doing that within seven minutes. And this this imagine like this really is a testament to just using your time well, and it's something I've always felt like when it comes to like long matches. People will not like long matches, and I can get not liking a long match. Like it's like say like Utami versus uh, versus Siori, like the match like that has no reason to go forty three minutes if I don't feel like you're going to use the forty three minutes well throughout the entire throughout the entire time period. But something like um. I don't know. Uh, let me get my PWO cred back. Um, like Bachwinkle versus Hennig from like the like the sixty minute draw. Like that reels you in throughout the like throughout the entire time, and it's all about the, it's all about the time that you use. That's all. That's always been my thing with match length. It's all about how well that time gets used, and it's seven minutes. It's Cabana Man Dan. You would think a Cabana Man Dan Jada Jada Newman match might go longer, might go like twelve minutes, but. It doesn't, but you still got something quality out of it. Yeah, and that's what it's like. You said that's what it's all about: is using the time wisely and uh, you know getting getting as much as you can out of it. Um, and not yeah, not just going long just to go long, which is fucking becoming the the, the trend right now, right? Because it's like yeah, if you're not using all the time, then you don't need it. Don't don't do it. Um, that's the thing about wrestling, right? It's just do the stuff that you need to do, not don't do extra. Um, Follow that up tag team match here, uh, Culture Inc. versus Bobby Flacco and uh, Rob Killjoy. Kind of feel like a 
new school version, new version of the Ugly Ducklings here, almost uh, with the flock. This of- was um. This is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say, with, uh, with Flacco coming out in the bright colors, I was like, oh, cool, this is like the new the, the new Ugly Ducklings. And it was just as good as, like, you know, the new Rockers or the, the oh, God, I can't think of it, the new Midnight Express. You know, all the tag teams where it's the new version of a what, good what was, tag what, team. The, what was the fucking, um, what was what was the new Legion of Doom? Like, I know there was an LOD 2000, but then there was also, oh, like. Oh, Reich and Animal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was not the Power Warriors. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. Dog shit. Yeah. Anytime you're trying to do like a re a rebranding, I mean they didn't they weren't even technically the new Ugly Ducklings, but it was just as bad as all that kind of stuff. Yeah. This was this is not good. Culture Inc. I feel like I've seen them before somewhere, but I can't remember where. Um. And they're... I don't even feel like Culture Inc. was like the bad part there. Like they were fine. Yeah, they were fine. I thought. Bobby Flacco was really bad in this. Yeah, he was. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Every, like, every, everyone, everyone has off nights, and Bobby Flacco is still like a newer, it's still like a newer, um, newer young, newer younger guy. Um, but but still, like yeah, like th- this was like a, this was like one of the first like. I, I'm not I'm not someone that ever comes out and is like oh yeah like this match was fucking terrible or i'll say a match is bad but i'll never be like oh this part this person's performance in this match was like fucking terrible like i've I've never been the guy to go out there and do that but yeah bobby flacco was really really off in this match and i, I think i think it'll probably be a one-time thing everyone has everyone has off days and all that kind of stuff um if he was working with rob killjoy rob killjoy is a good is a good guy to continue to learn from and a good veteran hand to like lead you lead you through stuff but yeah, this was um, I would probably say like the worst the worst match on the show, just because like the slot the sloppiness and uh big sequences getting messed up like it was really bad when Bobby Flacco had that fall off the off the uh off the springboard and everyone trying to get it together after that, but then it just leads to more clunkiness. Yeah, this this was this was rough. Yeah, this was uh, not 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 the best outing for anybody here. Um. Kevin Ryan versus uh, Damian Tangray follows this up. Um, I, I'm really a fan of Tangray from what I've seen, and uh, actually the little bit of Kevin Ryan, and the, especially tagging with, um, oh god, with uh, Pineapple Pete. No, um, what's his? Why can't I think of uh, Sugar Dunkerton? Sugar Dunkerton. Sugar D. Um, like has been solid but this was like he was just kind of there i think that he at this point needs sugar dunkerton a little bit more um and i fucking really hated this finish i mean i know it's not action's fault that like other companies do too many distraction finishes and you know kind of ruin them and everything but like the music playing distraction finish is the laziest and worst possible one so even if you only do one, if you do that one, it's kind of like the fucking just the shit. And I just if I you know I I'm not gonna say that ruined the match, but it it definitely was a it definitely hurt it overall for me. Um, in my in my opinion, in my opinion too, it's like I know you want to fit both of these guys on the show. These are both like action regulars and guys that they have investment in. I don't necessarily think this like is a matchup that makes sense for either guy, too. Yeah, like. These aren't two guys that I would expect to mesh well on paper. 
on top on top of everything that you're saying. Right. And yeah, and it just I think you're wanting to keep the Shug D storyline stuff going, but he's not there in the building. Um, so I guess this is your way of doing it, but to me it just I don't know, it just makes it feel a little fake, a little forced, a little cheap to do this kind of thing, and, and I'm just not a fan. Um that said, I mean Tangra I like Tangray. Like his mat wrestling, um, his strikes look great. So hopefully he gets something better to do <laughs> after this, because uh was not uh not really a fan of this one. Um next up we've got Adam Priest. He comes out. I didn't quite follow this. Did he just do it like a open challenge or like a reverse cha- open challenge? He just comes out and calls out AC Mac. Is that what happened? I wasn't paying attention. I saw AC Mack in the ring, and I was like, oh, cool. Like Adam Priest and AC Mack is happening. Yeah, he, he cut a promo, and I think he just called out AC Mack. Oh, one more thing. Oh, go ahead. Um, please, no more shows without Dylan. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is, but yeah. I, I, I know, but look. I mean. Dylan, Dylan is... His voice was sorely missed on this show, and I'll I'll, I'll leave it right. there. I mean, I, I, you kind of want to say that to uh, to every wrestling show, unfortunately, at this point, because Dylan is like such a good commentator, commentator, and he just makes everything work really well. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely was hurting on this this show. Um, but Mac versus Priest, um, Priest is out here with the big old cast or whatever on his hand. Um, what did you think of this one? Um, should should have felt bigger than it than it wound up being. And I know that AC Mack has been cycled down. He's not the champ anymore in action. He's more the regular babyface, like and everything. But I don't know, considering like the momentum that Adam Priest has had behind him this year, and like the things that he's accomplishing, and like AC Mack's stature in the um in the southeastern wrestling scene, this match should feel bigger than the way they used it and maybe they revisited at some point but like it's good but it it felt like this match should have had more behind it like this this shouldn't be like the first time we see adam priest and ac mac like wrestling each other or anything and i'm not i'm not sure i'm not saying that it is but like uh, something between them should feel bigger yeah i can definitely see that and it's it sucks because it is like like I said, I haven't been following action that much, so I don't know really what's going on. But this is like, this is Matt Mikowski's return from the arm being broken, so he's been out. But he's only been out for like almost three months. You, well, you just called him. A, you just called him a whole different name. What did I say? <laughs> you said Matt Mikowski. Oh, Matt Mikowski was the match that he broke his arm. Adam Priest um, is just back from the. Uh, the Matt Mikowski match. <laughs> He's just returning, which was like almost three months ago, um, a little bit less than three months um, in between these matches. But it's like because of the pandemic, because of how footage comes out, because of everything, it feels like just a blink of an eye in between. You know what I mean? Like, so like you're saying, it feels like he should still have that momentum, but he's been out for like, you know, almost three months. This is his return match. Um, AC Mack, I mean, you know, has like you said been cooled off, but he should still in action should still feel like one of the top baby faces, and he just kind of comes out. You know, again, this isn't really like a, a there's no not a lot of setup here. It really feels like this is just supposed to be a warm up, tune up match for for Pierce or 
Why the fuck am I having such a hard time with Adam Priest? <laughs> He's Adam Pierce. Adam now. Pierce. Um, scrap Daddy. Um, like you know, this is this is just supposed to be a tune-up return for him. But like, like you said, like why are you using AC Mack for that? Why is he the guy who's just getting thrown to the wolves here? You almost as you talked about like fucking people not really matching up. Like you almost could have switched to this. You could last you could have you could have switched these two matches. You could have did. Yeah. Kevin Ryan versus AC Mack and Adam Priest versus uh versus Tangra, I feel like. And I know that Tangra and Priest, I feel like they've wrestled each other, but like that still feels a little bit better than yeah. throwing AC AC Mack AC Mack into this spot. No, it makes more sense for Tangra to want to come out and answer the, you know, the open return challenge of of Priest, right? It makes more sense. He wants to prove something, you know, oh, let me catch him while he's weak just coming back that makes a lot more sense for him to be the one who who does who you know takes this challenge up and yeah mac versus ryan probably a better match too so yeah i mean i don't know like and that's a better matchup on paper too priest and tangra just wrestle a more a style that kind of fits with each other a little bit better but what are you gonna do um well, we we kind of switch going from like people who should feel bigger than they are to the the guys who feel about as big as they should, and even Logan Creed, a guy who I have not been a fan of. I'm starting to turn the corner though. I'm really liking him, and I liked him here. But uh, yeah, like I said, guys who uh, starting to feel or who do feel like a big deal. We got uh, Eric Royal coming out here, looking fucking amazing. What did you think of this match, Quentin? Um, I've never been a big Logan Creed guy. I think he's been like clunky and uninspiring, and nothing that like could that you could really point to as to enjoying him. He doesn't particularly like hit hard. He's not particularly like doesn't particularly use his size well, ain't anything like that. So Logan Creed's always been someone where like I'm just not interested in seeing to see when he um comes on the screen and when his match pops up. But I thought. He showed up here versus Eric Royal more than I've seen him pop up and more than I've seen him show up for like big matches in the last few years. And Eric Royal doesn't disappoint. You're always guaranteed a great individual performance from Eric Royal. And I think there's something in him that gets the best or maximizes the best from someone who might not be uh, operating on that level on a consistent basis. And I thought that, um, this was the best I've seen Logan Creed, and out of all everything I've ever seen Logan Creed do, out of every every, every time I've seen Logan Creed the la- the last few years, um, this was the, this was the best uh, this is the best I've seen him. Yeah, I thought that selling the leg, having that chink in the armor for Royal to work on, um, Royal is just again a guy who gets overlooked for just how fucking good he is too, like. That getting the legs stuck in the rope was such a great way to transition to him taking over and working over the leg. Like that was that was so neat. Like I loved that as the the transition because Logan came out looking real good and he was hot and heavy and Royal was just running scared on his bike trying to trying to not get eaten up and then he just gets this one lucky opportunity where Creed's leg gets caught. I thought that was so fucking good. Royal, I mean. Again, we talk about it over and over again, and I think at this point most people know who at least listen to us how good Eric Royal really is. But goddamn, stuff like that just really it just shows it. Like this guy is just Eric. Go ahead. Eric, Eric Royal has stuff like that down pat. Where like, I feel like a good thing for heels is like it's okay for a heel to look formidable, but 
I love like heels getting an advantage on like an accident, yes. like on some complete accident shit. Because like it main it maintains that that line between you be, being a credible threat and a world beater, and you being like, ah, well, you're you're not that good. You didn't de- you didn't deserve to win that match, and like still having that like that level of um of being able to be beaten. Uh, it's a it's a great line to walk. And I feel like Eric Royal, especially in, in his heel work, is so good at doing that because Eric Royal uh, and whoever he's facing, whoever he's facing, can can come up with like those kind of creative spots that Eric Royal can then do what he's do best and control and take advantage of something. And that's one of my favorite things that heels do. When I wish more heels do it, it's okay to be cool. It's okay to be a badass. It's okay to be formidable. But like. Getting an advantage on an accident is like the best heel shit. Yeah. No, no, definitely, and it makes the most sense, and it makes it gets the crowd, you know, into it, and just like you said, it gives the crowd that, you know, ah, uh, if he just hadn't, you know, caught himself up, if he just, if that hadn't happened, you know, there's no way Royal would have beat him, and it just adds more heat because you're just like, ah, he doesn't deserve to get lucky, you know, because he's an asshole. Why is it that assholes always get lucky? You know, why is it that the heels always win the coin toss in war games, right? right. Like. Why is it that the heels always get lucky? Why is it the jerks who have all the Why, how, 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 can, how can the good guys never get the girl? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's it's, it's perfect because it's just it's the natural psychology. You always fucking hate to see the dickhead who gets who gets one up on you because they're just lucky just because of chance. You know, the choke breaker, I thought was it was one of those spots that I think, uh, you know, can drive you crazy. But I, I, I actually really liked it here. Uh, I thought it was a really, you know, a nice way to. Uh, to tell the story that Logan is doing whatever he can to try to pull it out, but that's like kind of his his big weapon, and it ends up hurting him, and it sets up like, oh, you know, if, again, if he hadn't messed up his his leg, if he hadn't got caught up in the ropes, he could have hit the big move, could have got the win. And this is another one you get a non finish, you get a no contest, but it's not. Again, I don't really mind it when it's like a an okay, you know, no contest that kind of makes sense, ref bump and outside interference and all this and not just like music distraction again when i go back to it that was the only reason why i really fucking hated that finish because the music distraction is just the stupidest fucking finish i mean it's the worst finish in all yeah. of wrestling whoever came up with it you know i just wish that they i wish that they had not come up with it it's basically it's, it's like in a, in a in a medium of entertainment where there is so much like nonsensical stuff that wouldn't make sense in any kind of scenario the music thing has always just been so weird to me yeah. It's like so you hear someone's music, you're like, oh, oh shit, gotta stop. Fuck, what I'm where doing. is like, like, like immediately you have to stop what you're doing over this song. Yeah. Like, this song has just thrown you off so much that whatever you're doing just has to stop in order to confirm what is happening at the moment. Yeah, the Tangray one was so bad too because the music hit while he had uh, Ryan in a hold. Like he let go of the hold because of music playing. Ah, God damn it. The the most the most brutal one is like fucking um when Mustafa Ali is up on the ladder in the in the money in the bank match and Brock comes out and Mustafa Ali is right there. Yeah. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. And he and he just stops just and like just looks at Brock on the ramp. And I don't think Brock runs or anything. <laughs> I think Brock walks down the ramp and Mustafa Ali just stays there looking at him. In this time Mustafa Ali could have won this match twice. Yeah. And he's just sitting there looking at Brock as he as he does his whole fucking jumps up. 
pyro gimmick and Paul Heyman does a promo and <laughs> he just stops. <laughs> like that, uh, that one was fucking brutal. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that was, uh, that is very bad. Um, but yeah, you get the, the post, I, I, you know, get the non no contest, get the post match setting up the tag team match for the next show, which I, I like that too. Cause, because what it does is it doesn't go get us back to where we need to have another Logan Creed title match. Right. Which is like, you know, whatever. I don't want Logan Creed to win the title, that's for sure. But I also, like, I get not wanting him to lose to Eric Royal because you want to, you know, keep him somewhat strong. He's a good big man to have strong as a babyface. So this is a good excuse now. You get distracted and you just go, ah, let's move on to a tag team match. Now the title's not on the line. Okay, perfect. You know, it makes sense. I get it. And then you get Cells involved. He's got some charisma. You get the stuff with the... Damian Dunn involved. Not Damian Dunn. <laughs> Number Jesus one, Christ. Damian Dunn. You know, that's why I got confused. El Numero Uno, Jaden Newman. Um, they look, they, they look they the same. They kind of look the same, and they both go by number one. So, hey. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that uh, gets that set up. How much, be- how much better or worse would Jaden Newman be if, he, be, if, be if he was British? Or if he was in the Anti-Fun Police? Um, well, I mean, based on history, if he was British, he would not be a very cool guy i'll say that um (laughs) but yeah um that's the end of the show not the best action show i've ever seen but you know what it's had some good stuff they're clearly going with younger guys which i like they're trying to push people that you may have never even heard of before giving people a chance and you get really solid stuff like the the martyr brogan match was really good and uh alex kane and graham bell was was really good so you know and obviously cabana man dan phenomenal so yeah, overall, what did you think of the show? Like I said, not the best action show, but like, this was you, you got you to give promotions and uh, places room to like get to what they're going to. You know, some people are like really impatient with TV shows, and like you got to tell them no. Like, if you like at least get to like episode four, like, it, I prom I promise you it'll turn around. And I feel like promotions go through that because promotions never stop. Wrestling is always running, so you get to a point where you're like, all right, like this wasn't great. But I trust this company enough that like they'll get back around and bring this around somehow and get back and get back to a place where, you know what, this is still like a must watch promotion. And, you know, with all that being said, action uh, still remains one of the only promotions that I'll watch a full show from with no hesitation and be ready to watch it because of how easy of a watch it is. And I have I have faith that action at this point, the track record over the last three years is um is is really great in terms of like all the, the wrestling promotions that are out right now, they've been one of the most consistent ones. So, you know, this might be an off night, just like tonight was, you know, this show was an off night for Bobby Flacco, but like, they'll, they'll get back around. Yeah, definitely always, you know, give them a shot, always go and check it out. And again, one of the promotions who knows how to use talent to the best of their ability for the most part. And again, the, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't sour me on action, the, 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 the lame finish. It's one of the few times, you know, that's the other thing. It's like one of the only times that I can think of where I really had like a, a shitty finish on an action match that I'm just like annoyed by it. So got to give got to give him some credit for that as well. Um, Quentin, you had anything else you want to say before we head out? Uh, no, I don't think, I don't think so. I never watched this Akito versus Yuano match that are, our pal Quarwo has uh, has talked has uh, has been has been talking about. So I'm probably gonna get off and go watch nice. that, and I think I'm gonna get back to watching uh, the Boondocks for the rest of the night. Oh, nice! You've been watching the the cartoon. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, 
I think I'm on episode eight. And I gotta say, and I, and I knew this already, like, I'm aware, but putting in context what the fuck they were doing in 2005 and the shit that they were allowed to get away with and air <laughs> yeah, no. and talk about is fucking insane. It's like, fine. to put in perspective, like, 2005 is the same year when Kanye West said George Bush doesn't care about black people. <laughs> that's the, Right. That's that same year. And then I, I bet you're aware of, like, the shitstorm that came from Kanye West saying that on, like national television and i that's my frame of reference for what i think about the boondocks is doing in their first season and it's blowing my mind yeah, it's pretty crazy does the first season have uh the mlk episode yeah that was like that was like the third or fourth episode yeah, that shit's that's fucking, fucking wild that episode is insane <laughs> and that was on television yeah that's fucking the, crazy. the, the first the first episode is uh, oh, like it, the first episode literally opens up with Huey dreaming about telling white people that <laughs> Ronald Reagan is the devil, that a government is lying about 9-11. Yes. She and Jesus was black. Like, that is the first 20 seconds of the boondocks. That's, that was like the ads. I remember the ads showed that as like the opening thing that you were like, this is the preview of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so like, I was obviously I'm eight. Right. So, like, I don't think I watched the boondocks until like a couple years later. And like I'm 24 now, so like I'm able to go back and like understand understand things differently. I've seen the Boondocks a bunch of times, but like to sit there and think about like that in 2005 and that being like the promotion for it, I can't imagine what the fuck was going on when that trail when that when that trailer dropped. Like I gotta imagine just absolute shambles <laughs> across the country. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, I think not that not enough people really saw it. So that's a recommend for sure. If you haven't seen it, I recommend people go check it out. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's like also like to put in perspective is that the Moondocks wasn't like this like thing with like a bunch of promotion or like budget behind it necessarily. No. Yeah, and I mean the comic had existed forever already at that point or for a while. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess hopping off, watching some. I meant to watch uh, Nakajima versus uh, Masa the end. The, the the cage match, but uh, I think I'll watch that. Oh, I didn't. Know. Okay. The hair. Tell, tell, yeah, tell, tell me, tell me how that yeah, is. Yeah, from what it, it sounds like, it's good. So that's why I'm gonna watch it. Either way, Quentin, feel free to say good night to the people. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and hope here next time, and we'll review something for you again. Hopefully, I guess might uh, review uh, Takarazuka and uh, <laughs> go back to that. Uh, Martin Luther King uh, <laughs> the Martin Luther King play <laughs> but uh, thank you all for listening and I'll be here next time many years have passed but you're still charming rose falling and exploding you can't save the world on your own I guess don't send me it you keep it you It'll be okay, I just need to be weird and hide for a bit and eat an old sandwich from my bag. I've come here to make a ceramic shoe and I've come to smash what you made. I've come to learn how to mingle, I've come to learn how to dance, I've come to 
join the knitting circle. I've come to hand weave my own bunk bed ladder in a few short sessions. It's a Tokyo bouncy ball, it's an Oslo bouncy ball, it's a Rio de Janeiro bouncy ball. Filter, I love these mighty oaks, don't you? Do everything and feel nothing, wristband, theme park, scratch card, lanyard. Do everything, feel nothing. Do everything and feel nothing.